0: Now, let us turn once again in our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 13. 1 Samuel chapter 13. Now, here in chapter 13, verse 14, is where we hear for the first time this phrase, a man after his own heart. The Lord has sought a man after his own heart, a man that seeks after God's own heart. We studied last week three areas of what it means. Now, why should we be interested in this? You say, Well, I just want to be saved. Do I really need to be a man after God's own heart? Maybe I put it this way then. It is like a child, it's like a child. Alright, looking at the parents who have suffered, loved, sacrificed for the child. And then the child looks at the parents and say, do I really need to care what you want in your heart, daddy, mommy? Should I care? Can't I just be what I want to be? I want to be an engineer, I want to be a teacher, I want to be this. I'm just going my way. Do I need to care about what you think? We we'll you say, well, that would be the most ungrateful child. How can a child even wonder in his heart, do I need to even bother about what my parents feel in their heart? We will be worse. We will be worse than dogs. We have shared many stories about dogs. They are very grateful, loyal, faithful to those that rescue them. They will even risk their lives to protect the master that saved them endless cases of that we would be worse than these dogs on the street if we say that well do i really need to be a man after god's own heart when i say man please don't say it's only for male right the bible is talking about a person mankind believers especially now we saw last week paul as saul was a man after his own heart because in verse 9 verse 11 verse 12 all these verses it's always about me 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 it's always about me because of that God says I need to seek a man after my own heart because you Saul, is a man after your own heart we will learn more and more about the man after God's own heart which is David in the weeks to come God willing but here we will see. Now, what was in Saul that will make God say, now, nah, Saul, I need to now put you aside because you, I need to find a man after my own heart and you are not the one. So we learn what is not a man after God's own heart and from there, draw what we should be opposite to what Saul is, right? So we learned three things last week, verses 8 and 9. Well, the question is this. A man after God's own heart Well, are you the same person in private and in public? Because a man after God's own heart does not need someone to be there to constrain and control the person to obey God's commandment. Saul was not like that. Samuel is not here. He knew very well what God said he shouldn't do. Let me go ahead and do it. Are you obeying God simply because you know God God is always present, and you do not want to grieve his heart. It doesn't matter whether people are around or not. You only want to please his heart like a faithful husband to his wife. And the second thing we learn very quickly is well, Saul followed his own heart. That is why God said, I need to find someone who is following my heart. Saul would do anything that comes to his mind and his heart, it's up to him. Knowing what God said already, Well, like the maxim of the world today. There are no rules. Just follow your heart. Whenever in doubt about what to do, there are no rules. Just follow your heart. A man after God's own heart is, Lord, what are your rules? What are your commandments? I love rules that are yours. I want to follow them. Now then the third one we learn is, you saw Saul when under pressure of time... Of, of um, under pressure, life's pressure. Now, the first person he put ahead of obeying God's commandment is number one. Him, him. The Philistines will come upon me. The people deserted me. When under pressure, my friends, that is the test. God will test us. Now, if you look at First Samuel chapter thirteen, and Samuel verse thirteen. Verse 13, and Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord, thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. Now, God had a good plan for Saul. God intended, God is sincere, he would establish Saul with eternal rewards. That was God's intention. But God will put him to the test. Not because God doesn't know Saul's heart. But God needs to show Saul who he really is. A man after his own heart. Under pressure, he would not follow God's commandments. What about us? What about us? When under pressure of time, of school results, of Job security, of marriage, what will we choose? Now, so these are some examples. Now, this week we move to another lesson. Now, when you look at Saul, look at um, verse 9. Now, I say, Bring hither a burnt offering to me and a peace offering, and he offered the burnt offering. Now, when questioned, why did you do this? God said, do not do this. He was very specific. You knew the commandment very well. But look at verse 11. And when Samuel said, what hast thou done? You know very well you should not have done this. And the, pe- and the people, then he said what? And Saul said, because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and thou camest not within the disappointed. And the Philistines gathered themselves together at Mikmash, Verse 12, and therefore said I, the Philistines... Will come down now upon me. Now, what was Saul really saying? What was Saul's main concern? Now, Samuel, what do you, why are you so upset? Why are you shouting? What have you done? Now, Samuel, you've got to understand the situation that I am in. My soldiers, most of them deserted me. I'm exposed. And then these Philistines, they will come upon me. Look at their numbers. They are going to kill me. Me, 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 me. Now, what is the lesson for us to learn? Now, as far as Saul is concerned, a man after his own heart, the thinking would be this. If to obey God would present extreme risk to me I will not obey God to obey God to the point where I would risk my life my safety is too extreme so uh, Samuel you should understand right Samuel now a man after his own heart would feel now don't don't teach me a Christianity don't interpret scriptures in a way to say that, well, even if it means it will risk my life, I should still obey God's commandments to the dot. It is an unreasonable expectation in Christianity. Unreasonable Christianity. Now, is that your thinking today? Because this is the Reaction, the response of a man after his own heart. Now, I think this is a big problem for most of us. Because the world, Satan, constantly grooms us, right? Grooms us to feel that, well, protection of self, loving self, is the most important thing. Today, it is like that. In the world. Now our flesh itself already naturally would, would put number one first, right? We'll put our own interests first. We don't need further grooming from the world. And with the world and Satan grooming it further with ideas, we have reached a stage in Christianity that even Christian churches, books written by famous Christians, now would twist. The second great commandment. What's the second great commandment? Well, to love thy neighbour as thyself. Right? To love thy neighbour as thyself. Now, the understanding of this is a very twisted understanding. To love thy neighbour as thyself is, it means this. Until you know how to love yourself first. You will not know how to love your neighbor. So you must love yourself. Because God says, love thy neighbor as thyself. You don't know how to love yourself. How, you love your, how do you love your neighbor? So you must learn to love yourself above everything else. Then you know how to love others. Now this is how twisted it is. The love of self. The protection of self. Now to the point where Christianity is all about health and wealth, isn't it? Why do you become a Christian? Well, become a Christian, God will bless me with health. God will bless me with wealth. So it's about me. What's wrong with that? Now to the point where hearing any other form of Christianity, especially the kind that says you must obey God even if it will cost you so much, even your life. Now that is not Christianity. That is Or at best, extreme, cultish Christianity. But this, in scriptures, is exactly what God says. Saul, I am looking for a man after my own heart. And you have shown that when your life is at risk, you will not obey me. You will not obey me. That, in God's eyes and definition, is not a Christian after God's own heart. How do you feel how do you feel in hearing that if my life is at stake if my job to support my family is at stake you mean you still expect me to obey the ten commandments to expect me to live the way that god says this should be the way to live as a father as a mother as a child well, this church is too extreme. Put yourself standing there. When you're listening to Samuel rebuking Saul, what have you done? I think some of us will, like I said earlier on, will begin to look at Samuel and say, Samuel, I, I think you're a bit extreme, Samuel. Why are you so upset, Samuel? You've got to understand his life is at risk. You know, To disobey God, to protect himself, I think is a reasonable thing. Of course, Saul, in his most twisted way of thinking, disobey God, and then pray to God, um, thinking that God will hear him. We'll see more of that later on in the future weeks. Saul was most concerned about his own safety. Now maybe you say, Pastor, hang on. Isn't it right? Isn't it reasonable? Isn't it expected that we should be concerned about our own safety? Well, of course, it is. But the question is this, to what extent? To what extent? If to the extent of, for my own safety, I will disobey God when the commandment is clear, then the Bible says otherwise I I must obey God even if in my eyes, before my sight, tens of thousands of chariots, which is the equivalent of the most advanced tanks today, I am facing it. If it comes upon me and squash me, I already knew what God says I should not do. I will not do it. That is God's expectation of a man after his own heart. Now, I want to give you maybe some examples, all right? Think about this. While we have been groomed to the point where we think, maybe still in your high field, it's a bit extreme, it's a bit extreme. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. You know extreme sports? Extreme sports? Young people probably know, maybe the elderly don't know. Now, extreme sports are, for example, sports like um, things that will risk people's life. That's what it's called extreme, not the normal kind of sports. It takes it to the furthest extreme and is very, very risky, all right? Extreme sports, examples that, well, I tried to check on the internet. Well, what do people consider as extreme sports? Look at some sports council and what are extreme sports? Well, one day site is the extreme sport of rock climbing, scaling the face of, of a mountains um, with either just one harness or no harness, all right? Even incline that is upside down, scaling all that kind of thing, extreme sports. Well, it is very popular today. Another extreme sport is Formula One racing, all right, where they go at very high speeds and their vehicles don't really protect them much. Formula One racing, extreme sport. Another one is extreme kayaking. It's not like you go to Cottesloe and you rent a canoe and then you just kayak and look at the sunset. all right? Extreme sport is they will go to rapids and the more extreme, more dan- dangerous the rapids are, oh, the more exciting and that is what they challenge each other to. I begin to think kayaking at Katuslo is kind of an extreme sport now. So many shark attacks, even in shallow rivers in Perth, all right? Now, then there is, well, so many. But I'll give you just very quickly. Downhill mountain biking, very popular now. They go to hill there and they just keep going downhill. And I tried to look at one, even just watching a video of a downhill biking, I had cold, cold sweat, right? It's so scary. And then they have base, base jumping. They're jumping off high buildings, um, and, and all that. Okay, all this big wave surfing and so on. The surf come down on you, can just totally smash you. But all these are extreme sports. You know where I'm going to, right? I'm not encouraging you to do that. But when the world look at these things, they say, these are the things that are exciting. They admire these extreme sports people. They do not say, this is extreme. Why do you risk your lives to play sports like that. This is ridiculous. My point is, the moment we say to a Christian, maybe even your heart, you look at those and you admire, wow, wow, this is so excellent. These people are so courageous, so brave. I really admire their spirit. Do you? But when you hear messages, when you read God's word, I need to obey God at all costs, even in the extremity of risking my life. I will obey Him. Nothing ridiculous about that. Do you feel that way? Young person, teens, you hear and say, Daddy, Mommy, just, just very extreme, you know. Want me to read the Bible, want me to pray every day. It might even risk, you know, my school results. They're very extreme. Or parents, is that how you feel about bringing up godly seed for God? This kind of thing, just so extreme, this way of living, this family life. Look at, look at ourselves, we are so stretched. It's so extreme. My children, they don't have enough sleep, so extreme actually, parents, I ask you, do you feel that way when it's about your children's school results? When it's about your children's ECA? When your children's ability in certain areas? Do you feel it's too extreme when the school says, practice three times, four times a week? Right? Do this, do that. No, you help your child do that. You don't think it is extreme. But the moment it is related to God. Obedience to Him at all costs. It is too extreme. Why? Because our heart, our heart is not seeking after God's own heart. We seek after what we want for ourselves, what our children want, uh, what we feel is good for our children and our family, even if it means it will risk something. That's no problem. Not a problem. Now, another area I give an example is this. Now actually maybe I, I I continue here. Now, you know when people die from this kind of extreme spots, when they die from taking this kind of extreme risk? I tried to find some quotes about what people say. It's all quite similar, so I just give you one. All right? Now they will say, they died doing what they loved. <laughs> it's the most common. They died doing what they loved. Their heart, their heart sought sought after what they they wanted their life, to to have, and then they were saying, "Oh, what what a guide these people are to us who are living. What an inspiration! Oh, what a legend! What a living legend! You know what they're saying? Legend. Legend means these are people to be to aspire be to follow. Right? They are examples to follow. They do not say, oh, so risky, so crazy, so silly. Risk your life for a sport and.'" And when you die, your family are just all neglected. But, oh no, but that is their heart, you see. That is what they love. That is what they seek after. They should go for it. There should be no rules. And we admire their spirit. They are a legend. They are what. An, they are an inspiration. But the moment, even for you, you hear, obey God at all costs, even if it risks your life. Now, don't talk about results. Don't talk about your job. Don't talk about money, your health. Just risk those things alone. You say, extreme, extreme, extreme. Too much to expect of me and my family. See, we need to begin to change. If you say, I want to be a child of God after his own heart, you have to come to face this reality. That was what Saul was being tested on. I need to let you know, I would have established your kingdom, but I need you you to see for yourself you are not worth it. You are someone that as long as your life is at risk, you find that it's not worth it. But you will risk your life for yourself. We'll see later on. That's how he is. Now, I sometimes read about, you know, spouses, spouses who are the spouse need an organ all right so some will give their kidney all right um, to their spouse and one of the kidneys if they match and everything we have relatives doing that we have even strangers all right coming forward risking their lives risking their lives to give body parts to others now when those things happen we read and we we say wow so laudable They risk their own life for strangers. They risk their own lives for their loved ones, all right? We don't say, ah, this person is stupid, so risky. You should think about your own life first. What if you give and then your your, your health deteriorates? What about your own children? We don't do that. We admire them, right? So you see, a man after God's own heart. Now, because this person desires so much for God to... Accomplish what he wants. Well, even if it means risk to me, that is what I want to see happen. God's will be done. Are we like that? We praise children, we praise spouses who do that. Why do people do that? Let me ask you. Why do people do that? Because their heart, their heart, seeks after the other person's welfare, the other person's desire, the, the other person's needs, the other person wants. And desires. That is what it is. They seek after that. That they don't care if it risks my life. It doesn't matter. You only think about what the other person would want. That's all. That's all. I think I shared with with you this before. And one more last example is this. Now, there was a very famous golfer. All right, golfer. He was on a bus going for uh, traveling, and his wife was next to him, and then. The bus could not stop in time. And he sat in front of him and he saw it was going to crash into a trailer, and the trailer had beams sticking out behind it. And he knew when the bus crashes into that, those beams will go through the, the glass, the front glass of the bus, and it will pierce his wife. He had only one thought without hesitation. All right, in that split second, he jumped on top of his wife to use his body to cover his wife. I'm not telling you a nice story, right? This is a real story. He did not think, "Oh no, hang on, should I risk my life or not?" Hang on, I'm I'm a globally renowned um, um, champion in golf. If I were to injure my body, all that is gone. Not a single thought about the risk, about throwing himself to protect his wife, throwing himself in front of the wife to protect. As a result, the wife was spared, but he was pierced through and through. He was pierced through and through. His heart had only one thought. My wife. My wife. That is all. There is no hesitation about the risk to his life. Now, Christian, you we read these stories and say, wow, what a loving husband. Do you ever say this? should not have risked himself it's foolish or every throw everything away to risk himself for that we don't we don't think like that now my whole point about all this is this we admire we praise we may even want to emulate these people who risk themselves well for sports well for loved ones but the moment is risk ourselves to obey christ we feel it's extreme Christianity. Well, extreme Christianity, just like the people, extreme sport tells you where, what their heart is seeking after. Extreme Christianity is where it tells you what your heart is after. Now, please don't misunderstand me for a moment. I'm not saying that we be extreme in things that God does not ask. God did not command. Some people are like that, all right? They choose to suffer in things which God never asked them to do. We're not talking about that. But when you know that commandment is clear and it's going to risk your job, your life, your health, your family's pleasures, your holidays, that is the test of will you be a man after God's own heart? I hope this changes your idea about Christianity. Before God allowed King Saul to get the idea that now I will use you and you will rule moving forward and you are my choice. He needed King Saul to know this. I'm seeking a man after my own heart. Are you like that, Saul? Now, I want to take you to the New Testament. Just in case some of you feel, you know, we should not look at Old Testament. It's not relevant to us today. By the way, Be clear. The covenant is the same covenant, all right? It's the same God. It's the same love that we need to have for Him. Christ said the very same things to the Christians in His time. Now turn to Matthew chapter 16, please. Matthew chapter 16. Do you think God is expecting too much? Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Let me read to you. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Two ideas about Said in different ways. Well, one idea said in different ways. Come after me. That is a man seeking after God's heart. Come after me and follow me. That is a man after Christ's heart. To follow him. Now, what are the conditions? What is the test of a man that would seek after Christ? Number one, let him deny himself. See the point? It is self that is the problem. The first thing that Christ says, you want to be a person that seeks after my heart. You want to be such a disciple? Self will be in the way. Are you willing to risk self and life and limb to seek after my heart? That is the test. The disciples listening to it, will they feel, Christ, are you a bit extreme? I thought you are supposed to protect us. Now you want us to not care about self and take up his cross. Whoa, Christ, hang on, hang on. You know, cross, cross to them when they hear cross, it's not like today we hear cross, cross that nice gold, silver pendant that people wear. When they hear cross, they see this all the time. Criminals crucified, the most painful way to die, designed by the Romans to create the worst kind of suffering to cause fear in men. Wait, wait, Christ, you're talking about cross, Christ I think you are a bit extreme you know for us to follow you so Christ is making clear there is no fair-weather disciples it's all about am I willing to obey Christ at all cost Saul was not because he was a man after his own heart so Christ made it clear now just move on move backwards Matthew chapter 10 Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. Does it get more extreme to you? Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. Let me read to you. Matthew 10, 37. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Please don't say that you are a disciple after my heart. In fact, I don't even count you worthy. You should not think you are worthy if you love father and mother more than him, if you love sons and daughters more than him. You say, hang on, this is really getting a bit too radical for me, too extreme. Now, especially for the Chinese culture, we are, we are very steep in filial Piety, isn't it? Now, please don't take for a moment that is what we are against. The Bible is very clear honor thy father and thy mother. All right? It's very, very clear about that. The operative word, as you have noticed by now in Matthew 10 to 37, is what? More than me. More than me. God is not saying don't love father and mother, don't love sons and daughters. But when it is more, means if even if the ones that you love the most now to obey christ you will offend them you may even be thrown out of your home by them you may even have relationship broken with them what is more important to you the obedience to god your family says you should live this way you should not do that you should not do this and they get very upset if you Well, students, maybe your family will say, if you continue wanting to live this way, obey God this way, we'll withdraw all our funds to support you in education. You can leave the house. What will you do? You see, at the end of the day, what is a person after God's own heart? Well, this is the test. Not the test of BPCWA, not the teachings of BPCWA. You read it for yourself. You heard it for yourself. More than Christ, even if his father or mother and sons and daughters, that will be the crunch. Is this Christianity extreme? Well, if you still think it's extreme, then you want another form of Christianity, that is all. Sometimes we will come to a point where God will test, will you be after my heart or after your father and mother or your children's heart? It will come. It will come. Please don't think for a moment again, all right? We are asking you to go and find something to disobey your parents in just to prove that you love God. But when the crunch comes, obey me, child, or obey God. Now, sometimes children can be the most painful thing for parents when it comes to obeying God. I've known of children say, if you, daddy and mommy, you want, to, you want to go to church, you want to follow this religion, then we have nothing to do with each other anymore. You know how painful it is to hear that? What will you choose at that time? Now, last but not least, I'm, I want to read to you Christ's words, all right, for a reason. These are Christ's own words. So don't say, Pastor, I think you're misinterpreting this Samuel narrative, this history, this story. I want you to hear from Christ's own words. This is the very God that said to Saul, Saul, you are not a person after my own heart. Last example, Matthew chapter 19. All right, so we just move forward. Matthew chapter 19, verse 21. Matthew chapter 19, verse 21. Say, Pastor, we are learning Old Testament. Why are you moving to New Testament? For a simple reason. I said already. But Jesus said to Samuel to tell Saul, Is the same Jesus that say these things to us. Matthew 19, 21, let me read to you. Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, sell, sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me, and come and follow me. You want to be someone that is after me, after my heart, now then you go and sell everything that you have, and give to the poor. Now, is Jesus teaching salvation by works? Is Jesus teaching that in order for us to prove that we love God and we become Christian, that all of us have to go and sell everything and give to the poor, then we are considered people that is, well, willing to risk it all for Christ? Of course not. Now, Christ knew the heart of this rich young man. He knew his problem was he loves what his heart loves more than he would love what Christ loves that was his test you say you want to be saved you say that you want to worship me you want to follow me that's why Christ said then then you come and follow me the first thing you need to fix are you after your own heart or will you be a person that even if it means it's going to risk everything and you really get rid of everything in your life that you love that your heart has been seeking after that you already have you will still say lord i will follow you now that was the test to this young man god is not one for one moment saying you, this, you need to do all this in order to be saved." but god wants to show him as much as you think you want to be safe as much as you think you want to follow me he fell down before christ i want to follow you now, that is our heart right we're all stirred in our heart oh lord i want to be a man after your own heart but when the test comes oh this is too extreme this is too extreme for me to live this is what christ needed this young man to know now saul was a man after after his own heart that is obvious now maybe i'll ask you this question since we had holy communion this morning Is it too much to ask from God, or for God to ask of us and say, You must be willing to forsake all, to risk all, and even to suffer all? Because to take up the cross means to suffer. To suffer all, to the point of even that you may die. To obey my commandments. Is it too much to ask? Well, the Holy Communion reminded us Christ gave his body, Christ shed his blood to save us. So is it too much for this God to say, you belong to me? You are to live to seek after what my heart desires. Is it too much? Like I said, these dogs don't think it is too much these dogs don't even hear from their master who picked them up from the road clean them up and save them cured them of diseases this master don't even tell the dogs you must protect me from now onwards huh? you must be willing to risk your life to protect me the master don't even say that but this dog's natural i would say god-given instinct in their heart to teach men a lesson that when the master is at risk oh they will they, they will find supernatural things they will break chains they will confront bears ten times its size lions do- uh, tigers literal panthers to fight to the death to protect the master or the master's child is it too much these animals they would just do it without thinking but the christian day after day after day going to church too much, too extreme, too high expectation of how we should live. You see that man; all he thought in his heart, probably. I give, I mean, I'm. I'm just trying to think what is in mind. But what would be in a mind of a husband when you when you see something going to happen to your wife at risk? Now, in fact, in our midst, someone actually was crossing the road the wife and were crossing the road and the husband was about to step in front of a car the wife literally jumped on the road to pull the husband back at the own risk of her own life it was just in our midst but i continue now when we are faced in this kind of situation what are the thoughts in your mind my wife Or my husband protects me cares for me all her life gives herself to caring for me faithful to me even when she's sick she gets up early to take care of me and the family you think of all those things or maybe wife the other way around my husband goes to work even when he's sick even there's so much trouble he goes to work because he wants to care for us to take care of us all these things all right Or for singles, you you realise what your parents have gone through to put you through education so that you have what you have today. You think of all these things. And then you say, for one moment, when their lives are at risk, you would not naturally say, and do what is needed to protect them. You say, well, that is natural. That's natural. That's not too high an expectation. But Christ did far more than that this holy communion reminds us of that he did infinitely more than any human being on this earth could ever do for us just that we don't realize that enough that's all is it too much for him to say obey me at all cost love me more than the closest blood relationship is it too extreme christian we must not think it is for a moment moving forward any bible passage that you read that calls for that in your heart you must say lord i want to show you that i love you and when the time comes and i have the privilege to do that lord i want to do that i'm willing to do that when my family would persecute me lord it is not pleasant it is it is Not nice. I don't like that, to go through that. But Lord, if to obey you, that is what is going to happen, then Lord, let me go through that for you. The husband would willingly go through that piercing, that pain, to protect the wife whom he knew, loved him, cared for him. Give me that chance, O Lord. I shared this many times, right? This martyr who denied christ who wrote a recanting of his belief in christ finally was so convicted in his heart that when the and he recanted and said look i take back what i said about christ he is god and only salvation is only through him not the roman catholic church i take back what i wrote and they said then we will burn you alive at the stake when he went to the fire he said wait wait Let me burn my own hand first. The hand that denied my Savior, who died, who gave himself and died for me. Wait, don't burn my body yet. Let me burn. I need to do this to my own hand first. Let me burn that hand. And he stuck his hand into the fire. Why? Because he could not live with the shame that the God that died for me, and I am so afraid of risking my life that I would deny him, I will put my hand in the fire first. Then you burn the rest of my body. Now, Christian, we are talking about that. We are not even talking about your job. I'm not saying jobs and money and health is not important and it's evil. Please don't misunderstand me for a moment. But it's more. It's more. That is the question. Christian, telling God... I want to be a man after your own heart. It's not a sentimental, fuzzy feeling. Please remember that. Christ used very clear words. Saul faced very real situation. Now, let us not forget what Christ has done for us. Let not let us not be worse than dogs. By saying this is extreme. Now, finally, do you know the silly foolishness of, Christ, of Saul? Saul was afraid that he would die, right? The people have left me. I have very little soldiers to defend me now, and they are going to come down on me. He imagined that they are going to come down and he's going to die. And he would not risk his life for that. He would rather disobey God, right? Now, do you realize? You will see later on. Those of you who, who who know this this book will know. There was no need for him to fear at all. God fully intended to deliver Saul. God fully intended to deliver Israel. In fact, God would deliver Israel in this very instance. You know, with who? Just one person, his son. One person. One person. Saul alone could have been used by God to deliver the whole Israel. All right, Saul, you're so afraid, right? I will use your son, one person, and cause these tens of thousands of, of, of chariots and, and soldiers beyond numbering, they will all be defeated. So you need not even have worried. It was so foolish. Now maybe you ask in your heart, but pastor, in my situation, I might really die, you know. Then how? Then how, right? Well, my answer to you is this. Now, my point in saying that God delivered Israel and Saul need not have feared, he should have just put his life on the line and see the work of God, the power of God. I'm not saying to you for a moment that only in those situations where we know we can be delivered, there's a good chance of us being delivered. Then we say, Lord, okay, I'll risk my life for this. I'm not teaching for a moment that understanding. Please know that. Saul did not know. God did not tell him. But that is exactly God's point. A person after my own heart won't care if there is a risk, there is a, won't care whether there is a chance or no chance of me being, being spared from this cross. He will still obey me. He will still follow me. He won't care. That is what God needed Saul to learn. But Christian, let me ask you this. Maybe you say, God, why does God want us to be like that? Why must it be a religion that is so extreme? Why? Why? Do you realize that everything that God does is for His glory? You say, yeah, see, that's a problem. It's always for God's glory. That's how we think, right? But anything that is for the glory of God is always for the good well of his children as long as you live for the glory of God and it's always for him it will always end up in your good know that trust that but I'm not saying be motivated by that right be motivated by his love he gave himself and Lord I give myself willingly readily now let me ask you this God says this look at verse 14 uh, verse 13 For now would the Lord have established the kingdom upon Israel forever. God had a very gracious and good and generous plan for Saul. I would have established this if you live as a man after my heart. I would have established it. But now it's all taken away. Now Christian, let me ask you this. You think about this. What is the worst thing that can happen to you if you died? Because the problem is this, right? God, I don't risk my life. Risk many things, but as long as I don't risk my life. What is the worst that can happen to you if you die? You go to heaven. That's not the worst. It's the best thing. You'll be spared from the sufferings of this earth. You'll be spared from this body of sin that you hate that keeps causing you to fall very often. You'll be able to worship God in His presence and serve Him perfectly and worship Him with the angels, singing praises and bowing in thankfulness to Him in person. That is all yours when you die. What is so terrible about that? What is so terrible about that? God is not saying, you know, I let you die and go to hell. Death is the child of God's great joy, which is why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.8, We are confident, I say, and willing, willing, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So rather be present with God which is why Saul had no fear of death. Whatever he faces, he always goes through it. Reason number one, constrained by the love of Christ. Christ, you gave me yourself. Now I give you my life. I will fear nothing. And knowing that death is the most wonderful thing, I'll be in the presence of the Lord. You see, even when God says, obey me even if it means death, is it not for your good? God is sparing you another 5, 10, 20 years of life on earth to be in his presence. Is that God a wicked God? No. Christian, I hope that with all this understanding, we truly say, Lord, it is no more a fuzzy feeling. It's no more a sentimental idea that I want to be a man after your own heart. Young ones, From a very young age. Lord, I willingly go through anything, any risk, bear any losses for you. Parents, are you worried that your child won't be successful if it keeps studying God's Word? If it loves God more than his studies, his ECA or her ECA? Are you worried that, well, if you serve god and have very little sleep as a result those who are those men those who are who are serving god is going to affect your health when you grow old now those of you who, who who spouse you know you feel that well you know if my husband serves god in this and that you're being a then beginning to feel well then what about our nice family times what about our nice holidays what about extended this and that what about now i'm not saying i ask, i'm asking them to forsake their family but when you begin to realize, God, you gave me your all, I love you more than all this. Now, that is a person after Christ's own heart. I hope once and for all we remove this wrong idea. Such Christianity is too extreme. No, it's the least sacrifice, it is a reasonable service to God. That is all. That is all. Let us rise to sing the closing hymn. Let us rise to sing the closing hymn. Right? Hymn number 390. Shall we rise? 390. 390.